what is going on what's goody it is Latoya and in this episode we are talking about anxiety and panic attacks yeah a lot of you are like what <laughs> what <laughs> what but yeah we are talking about that I felt like I really wanted to talk about it after the last episode, 91, where I talk about my real estate adventures and everything that I went through. We really need to go ahead and talk about anxiety and how that plays a big role in what we do on a day-to-day basis for those of us who have anxiety heavy. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. On the I Speak for the City podcast with me, Latoya Shari. Smooches. We're gonna do it after these messages. <laughs> I'm so damn sleepy. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm trying to give you a great intro, but it's just not working for me. Uh, we're going to do it after these messages. Uh, now I sound like Kermit the Frog. Whatever. We're gonna do it after the messages. All right. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. All right. What's good, everybody? It's Latoya Shari, and we're back at it like a crack at it on a Craftmatic. And I'm super excited, Morning Campbells, to be back with you in episode 92 of the I Speak for the City podcast with me, Latoya Shari. Now, in this episode, we are going to be talking about a few things that kind of coincide with each other. We are going to be talking about anxiety and depression and how it can affect your daily life now anxiety is really such a big deal it really is um it really takes a toll on many people i can't give you the exact numbers at this time because i didn't do my research enough but i know that it plagues a lot of people I've seen it plague a lot of people in the African-American community and in the brown and Latina communities. The issue that I have in the African-American community, African-American community is that we don't talk about it enough. We don't. We don't talk about depression and we don't talk about why we're depressed. We don't really go to the stem root of it. And then if we do talk about it, we we with with other people in in an, a group we kind of hush them shh don't talk about that don't say your feelings you have to be tough even the weakest person in the Afri- african american community is probably going to say hey we can't talk about certain things like we can't talk about how bad the n word affects us or how you know pro- Police brutality may affect us in certain situations, how it makes us very paranoid to walk down the street. Like, I am paranoid as a woman, you know, to walk down the street and see a police officer, If I, even if I know I'm not doing anything wrong. I've seen too many reports on 
you know, my brothers and sisters who were just doing their normal day to day. And next thing you know, you know, something happened. They went to jail. They passed away, you know, all because of ignorance and racism. Then I think about the real stress that goes on in the workplace. We talk about things being too PC. We talk about not saying certain things because we don't want to offend other people. But then we want to say, hey, you know, it's getting too crazy. You know, everybody's getting too offended. The truth is, I believe that's not the case. I believe that there were a lot of people who were offended way before. I know this. But they were taught not to talk about it because it made them tougher. But what happened was there were a lot of deaths and high mortality rates because of alcoholism, because of drugs, because of suicide. Because of high blood pressure due to stress caused illnesses. Because of overeating due to stress caused issues. It's a lot. Stress, anxiety can play a toll in our communities. And I really believe that we need to open up the discussion about what it does. What does it do? Because in the end, it can stop us from making a billion-dollar deal, a million-dollar deal, a $1,000 bill, a $1,000 bill. It can stop us from going to work. It can stop us from taking time out to spend with our kids. It can stop us from doing things that we love doing, that we've always loved doing. Sometimes stress can come out of nowhere. Sometimes anxiety can come out of nowhere. Sometimes it was something that's been doormanned in you all along and then something out of nowhere triggers it I think back a few years ago when my um children's grandma I call her I call her you know I used to call her my mom my other mom it's a very complex situation we'll get into that in another episode but those are my kids' grandma. She's a Caucasian woman. She's known me since I was a baby. She's known me probably since I was adopted. But there's layers to our relationship. There's real big onion-filled layers, you know, of how she even got to be in my life on a daily basis. You know, issues with her and my adopted mother. Issues with her and my adopted father. With you know, me and my adoptive stepsister and brother and, you know, so many real issues. And, you know, the the, the difference between me and my adoptive stepsister is I'm not mixed. You know, I'm adopted. You know, there's layers to that of resentment. Like, why did she get to stay with? It's just a whole lot of issues. And there were some things that were said over the years, a lot of things like, that really hurt me, really, really hurt me, you know, that made me feel like I was just charity or a slave, literally said about me, you know, and made me realize that I wasn't up to part and need to grow up. And a lot of things that made me realize that our relationship is not mother daughter. 
And no matter how much you may say it one way, it's too complex to, to say it one way and be another way. I remember her trying to explain our relationship to each other, like to other people, you know, and it was very hard for her, very uncomfortable. And for me, it was like, oh, that's my stepmom. You know what I'm saying? But for her, it was very complex because I never thought about it. For me, it was always me being in shock. I never thought about a lot of things for years. I kept it pinned up in me way far in some neck of the woods that nobody ever goes. And then one day, she comes over. She comes over out of the blue like she always does when I don't reach out. Or even when I do reach out, but I don't say anything about, you know, certain things. She didn't send a postcard, so I wasn't aware of her coming. Actually, no, no, she did send a postcard. I was aware of her coming. What happened was, initially, my adoptive mom, my mom, was supposed to come for Christmas. But we wound up having a real bad issue going on in our apartment, and it needed to be worked on. So she couldn't come down then. So my mom canceled, and... Barbara called me, you know, my adopted, my bootleg stepmom, whatever you want to call it. I call her my stepmom for for this purpose. She called and she was like, I wanted to come down for Christmas. And I'm like, eh. you know, and I was like, Yo, I really can't do that. And this is before, before, let's, let's back it up. Before she called and wanted to come down and, you know, spend Christmas with us. And I'm like, no, my mom already said she was coming down for Christmas. So then when my mom canceled, before my mom canceled, Barbara called and she said she was going to come down, you know, like two weeks before Christmas vacation. And I was like, okay, cool. So then my mom had canceled. And so Barbara had came down. And so somehow in the conversation we got, she got out of me that my mom canceled. She's like, well, why don't you tell me? I'm just going to go take the kids and we're going to go for Christmas. And I didn't say anything, but in my brain I was like, really, dude? Really? Why would you just... It's Christmas. I wouldn't even want, you know, their biological father to come take them. Why would you go <laughs> and take them on Christmas? It's Christmas. Like, who... You know what I'm saying? Who would want that? But I didn't say anything. I just said, yeah, cool. And I think a part of me was just scared to say no. But another part of me is a self-defense mechanism. And when I feel like I'm stressed out by her or anything, I just kind of roll with it. And that night, she got the kids. I went to work at McDonald's. Um, she got the kids. And she was, I thought she was going to be there when I got back off of work because I worked overnight. I mean, late night, actually. But she wasn't there. She took the kids, left. My spouse was upset. We got into it the whole break. I mean, I argued with them the whole time. We got into hard body karate because I was going through anxiety. I was going through, you know, feeling neglect and abandonment because my kids weren't there. And I was going through feeling like I didn't have any control. And then it just... The floodgates open. After all the arguments, after everything, 
the epiphany started to come out of nowhere. It's kind of like when you press the when you press the um the browser button on the computer, but the computer's running slow, so you press it twenty or thirty more times and it's still not coming up, so you keep pressing it, and the next thing you know, when it finally gets uploaded, you have like thirty different browser pages open of the Chromebook and you have to exit all them out and just get to the one page. That's what I was doing. That's what happened. Everything started coming out of the out of the blue. And I started to have to really sort through my feelings. In the last few years, that's what I've been doing. But because of that, it started to give me severe panic attacks, severe anxiety. And it started to make me really look at things like, yo, you got to take control of this. You got to delegate this situation. And so when she came back, we had some issues. We had real issues. And I was really pissed off, but I didn't tell her what it really was. One of the reasons why I was pissed off is because she wanted me to open up a bank account for my daughter in North Carolina. And I'm like, yo, she don't even live there. And then I felt like she was trying to take over my kids. And then she said something about me not having a car. And she was going to have to take over. And it was just a lot of shit. And I felt like, what do you mean? I'm getting really real with y'all. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And it made me feel less than. And I'm like, wait a minute. All these years, you've been doing the damn thing. You've been going back. You've you've got a man who has a nice-ass car, a new car. At that that point, his car was brand new. You've got two jobs. No, I think I had three jobs at that point. And you're going to school. You know what I'm saying? What the hell? You got your own place. You're not living with her. I feel like you think. That you're not good enough, girl, but you are. You're doing things. You might not have everything perfect together. Everything might not be on point all the time. But you're doing the damn thing. You're better than what you were 10 years ago. What are you doing to yourself? And so I was so scared. I was so scared of losing it all. I was so scared of everything. I went through severe panic attacks. And it led to really severe panic attacks at work. Well, not at work, but, you know, when I thought about going to work as a substitute, it I was freaking out. And I thought it was all about just because I was stepping into something new. But I think it really was about figuring out what the old things were that made me fear doing something new. And it took a toll on me for a very long time. Like, I'm still working at the problems. And I think a lot of stuff is just surfacing. And it's one of the reasons why I started to get sick because there was a lot of things just coming out of the blue that I never dealt with. I never really just wanted to deal with it. And I was told not to talk about it, you know, not to say stuff. We're going to take a short bristle and we're going to talk more about things that happened that I wasn't supposed to talk about. What's goody? We're back. I'm thankful that you guys are back listening to me with my long whiny rant. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think for me, the the wheels had changed. 
once I the floodgates have opened and I realized that there were a lot of moments in my life where I wasn't supposed to, to talk. You know, being African-American, you are taught not to say certain things, not to do certain things because you don't want to irritate the situation. You don't want to be an uproar. And then if you do, you're, you know, a supreme a black supremacist or you're agitating the system or you're getting yourself in a situation that could get you hurt it's it's a lot so I I was used to doing that I was used to not talking about things I remember as a kid you know when my adoptive father died at that time I thought he was my biological father you know I didn't know he was my adoptive father until I was 17 when my adoptive father died when I was 14 it really just It was a real experience. And I had already been used to not talking about my feelings because I remember, you know, seeing the abuse that my adoptive father did and I was just staying in my room, playing with my toys, being in my own little world. So when he died, I was depressed. I was depressed, one, because I went from Jersey to Florida around people who didn't talk to me, didn't know me, wanted me to be somebody else. I wasn't allowed. Like, I was talked about for my accent. I wasn't, they wanted me to dress more like them, you know, more feminine all the time. But I was from Jersey, and I was used to wearing certain things. Like, we will wear dresses. I love wearing dresses. But I also wanted to wear jeans a lot like a lot and I felt like I was wearing it a lot more than what they did like I love wearing jeans and sneakers you know I was talking about for a lot of things and I was you know they wanted me to wear heels and da 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 and I like that type of stuff but I was really you know made to feel like I wasn't good enough with my own type of swag my own style and I was taught that when my dad died, I was weird for grieving. That's why I handle situations differently and different. It takes me a minute to cope with situations because I remember being depressed and crying in the bed and, you know, feeling, you know, for months just wanting to sleep, 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 sleep because I wasn't allowed to really vent my feelings out. And I remember, you know, I used to write songs and poetry and all that other stuff. And I remember my adopted mom, my mom, she went through all that stuff and there were some explicit lyrics in it. It got real, but it was a way of venting. Even some of this, like most of the stuff I didn't know what I was talking about, but I just felt creative and my thoughts were wild and I felt free when I was in Jersey. And when I was in Florida, I did have a lot of free moments, but I didn't have as many. And that's when I learned how to freestyle because I felt like nobody could say anything to me about what was in my brain. They could only say about what they see. But it wasn't well thought out. It wasn't well put together. And so in that moment, I became less free. Became less able to get my voice heard. I felt like my voice being heard was a nuisance. And so it was severely 
intense depressions that I had to prolong. I had to wait. I had to be in another zone. I couldn't feel it. I wasn't allowed to. You know, I would cry over little things because that gave me a chance to feel something. You know, I would cry over people's funerals who I didn't even know. Because the real root of why I want to cry, I'm not allowed to really feel something. It was hard. It's hard now even saying that as an adult. Like, I'm really epiphanizing. I'm really having a true, like, moment. Like, whoa, moment right now. I never felt. I never told the guidance counselors anything. I always was told I was dumb as a box of rocks or I was molested or, you know, just always felt like I was not good enough. You know, I remember my dad telling me, telling me that nobody, no man would want me. I remember, you know, him comparing me to his biological daughter on plenty of occasions. I remember so many moments by ex-husbands, by people that I didn't feel. I would be hurt, but I didn't feel it. I didn't get involved with my myself. And I feel like that's what I was taught. And it's kind of like what we're taught in the community. But I think I was taught that and instilled it even more. You know, and, I, and from those things, I am thankful, though. That I learned that because it told me that you're not entitled to any moment. That you have to carpe diem. That you have to seize the moment. But when that epiphany happened after that whole situation with my stepmom, it also taught me something as well. That you need to feel. You need to breathe. Having my son and my daughter gave me an outlet. It gave me an outlet to put emotions and love into that I really didn't feel like I got as a kid. I'm not perfect. I'm still learning a lot. There are a lot of bad moments where I see myself having out-of-body experiences and telling myself, well, you need to do better. But I learned a lot from it. And what I learned and what I hope that you guys take away from this long rant is that you have to feel. And if you've been suppressing that feeling, if you've been told that you're not supposed to feel it, you've been told that you're crazy or men don't feel or go through depression. Hell, my brother went through depression. He he goes through it. People go through it. They go to doctors. They go to therapists. They talk to people. They go to church. It's nothing wrong with talking to somebody about it. It's nothing wrong with venting. It's nothing wrong with going through issues and having to feel. We're so prone to not feeling because we because if we really thought about it, If we really thought about it, there's so many reasons to be upset. So many reasons. I, I went through my own crisis with my own name, you know, because of anxiety and depression. 
You know, I went through my own crisis with going to work because I felt like I was less than when you compare when I compare myself to the, to the to the other teachers because I'm a substitute teacher because I'm walking because you know my kids don't have as much as the other teachers or substitute teachers there and then I realized I can't compare I know that I'm grinding I know that there will be days where this will happen and that will happen but I know I'm putting in the work I know that I'm here for a reason. I know that I love being a substitute teacher and I love them kids. I know that I'm working towards my real estate business. I know that I'm a podcaster and a blogger and a YouTuber. And I know that I'm working on branding and different things for different types of companies that I'm going to open. I know that I love that flip life and and marketing and learning more. I know this now. I know that I'm big. I'm a big woman going on a weight loss journey. I know that. And I know everything takes time. And I want you guys to understand that understanding your depression and the root of it takes time. You have to know where you where where it starts. Where did the root of the map start? Where was your starting point of the so that way you can know how you can get to your destination? Where do you plan on going? What do you want to do with it? When you acquire that knowledge, are you going to use it to make you better? Or are you going to use it to make you a person you don't want to be? Which, which me do I want to be today? Depression and anxiety is very, very real. And the first step is to admit that it's happening. And take control of ownership of it. Don't be afraid. Don't deny it because if you are afraid and you do deny it, you're not opening up the discussion and you're not talking about it. Anxiety can be so overwhelming. I know so many days where I used to go through crippling anxiety to the point where I didn't even want to go to work. And I had to go in the mirror. I had to talk to myself, tell myself to get over it and go to work. And I believe that's one of the reasons why I got sick at work a few times because I remember I had anxiety right before the last time I got really sick when I had to get my boss to take me home because I was really stressed out about a lot of stuff. Understanding that is key. Coping with that is evident if you know how to. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Well, you guys, I'm going to wrap up the podcast after the brizzle, and I'll give you my closing thoughts. Thank you. What's good, you guys? Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I just want to wrap up this episode 92 with some closing thoughts. Number one, thank goodness that there are people available in this world to talk to about anxiety and depression. Go talk to somebody. Don't be afraid. 
Don't fear of what somebody else may say to you. At the end of the day, this is about your clarity, your sanity, not about your vanity. So what you do every day is tell yourself it's okay to have downfalls. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be all in your feelings. Allow yourself to know how great you are and keep it moving. Okay? Remember, guys, so important for you to remember. If you love what you have, you have everything you need. And that means love who you are for you, your flaws and all. That is very, very important. Beyonce said it best, flaws and all. Love yourself. Granted, we are going to fall now, but we have to get back up again. All right? Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Smooches. Peace.